0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Penny Lane Podcast. On today's insightful episode, Blaine and Bofo are joined by Al Davidson of Pro Trader Tax to discuss how traders should manage their taxes. Today's show is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines and the Personify app. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and follow us on YouTube. Enjoy.
1: Hello, Al. Welcome to the Penny Lane Podcast. How are you? I'm
0: great. How are you?
1: We're doing great. I'm Blaine, this is Bo, and we're so lucky to have you on.
2: Thank you, nice, nice to be on here.
1: Of course, I, you are recommended by some of our friends. We've heard great things about you.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think one of my clients uh, follows you guys and uh, he mentioned something to me. And so one of my team reached out and uh, yeah, so great to be here.
1: Perfect, perfect. So, do you mind telling us a little bit about yourself and your career?
2: Sure. Um, so, I'm a CPA and also a trader, I've been uh, trading and investing since 1986. Um, I've owned a company called Pro Trader Tax for about 15 years, and we work with active traders and investors all around the country, and helping them structure their trading business for tax purposes, preparing their trader tax returns and tax planning and all those kinds of things. We handle payroll for some of our traders that uh, want to contribute to 401k and pay out some of their profits at the end of the year. So have been doing it for quite a while and that's a passion for sure. And And the fact that I'm on the trading side as well, you know, I can relate to a lot of my clients and what they're going through, their ups and downs and stresses from the market and and you know trying to be consistent with their with their trading
1: do looking at other people's trades just is that ever intimidating
2: uh no no I don't I don't I really because I do so much of it I don't really pay attention to their individual trades or how much money they made or how much money they lose you know just on the mission of trying to Help them, you know, minimize their taxes um, legally, and you know, preparing an accurate tax return and helping them plan to reduce taxes in the future. So I don't really pay attention um, to their, tr- you know, trading style or trades that they make. Um, yeah, I mean, I just don't. I have so so many that I'm working with that I don't really, unless somebody asks me to, I really don't get involved with their trading system or trading strategies or that kind of thing. Do you have capacity for new clients? Oh yeah, yeah, we've got a great team in place and we've been growing. It's amazing how many new traders we've gotten since COVID, the whole COVID uh, pandemic. It seems like a lot of people were home from their jobs and were trying their hand at trading. And so our business has really grown a lot in the last couple, two, three years.
3: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's my story for sure. And I'm, I'm excited to be, I actually requested to be on this podcast with you because I've just been using my CPA for my returns, you know, before I was a trader. And now I'm like, you know, really kind of sensing the need to get more specific. Exp- so I can't wait to have this
2: yeah, it's definitely a niche, um, and there's there's a few more uh, tax preparer CPAs out there now that, that understand it, but when we first got involved, you know, 15 some odd years ago, it was not too many that really were up on the trader tax rules. They're, they're, they're not well published by the IRS. Um, we really just have court cases to go by over the last 20, 30 years. Um, really active trading is kind of a new thing since the internet and discount brokers. And um, so when I first got out of college, you know, PCs were a brand, brand new thing. And, and I can remember dial-up modems to place a trade. And that was a big deal, you know, to, to have a dial-up modem into Charles Schwab and and to place a trade. <laughs> We've come a long way. And um but yeah, it's, it's definitely a niche and, and, and there's a lot of gray. And so we're you know we're constantly deciphering tax law and making sure that our clients meet the trader rules, trader tax rules, and and when when we don't feel like they do, then we advise them to not take certain tax deductions and, and to, to take a different route with their tax return. Um, but we do get a lot of clients from other CPAs, other tax preparers that just don't, you know, they're not familiar with a lot of the trader rules. Uh, For example, the wash sale adjustments, the wash sale rules have really hit some people hard, some unsuspecting traders really hard in the last couple of years. And so we've gotten a lot of clients from from accountants that really don't understand how they work and and how to go about um, making a a major change in the future as far as making what's called a section 475 mark-to-market election.
0: Well,
3: I think I know the answer to this, but I'm gonna ask it anyways. When you're trying to set up your trading as a business, let's say you trade often, you're what someone would call a day trader or active trader. Um, is, it, is there kind of a one size fits all for how you wanna set that up between whether you do an LLC or some other type of entity or, or is it different depending on other factors?
2: Oh, yeah, it's very it's very uh, customizable, depending on the trader's situation, whether they're a single person, maybe they're married, um, how much their spouse may be involved, if they're profitable on a consistent basis, or maybe they're just starting out and they're expecting to lose money. I mean, nobody expects to lose money, but, you know, new traders, it's there's a learning curve there. So, um, yeah, there's different types of entities, different types of uh situations where maybe you want one one owner or two owners depending on somebody's personal situation um, but you know the main the main entities would be a sole proprietorship where you're filing all your trades and, and trading expenses on your personal individual tax return there's the most audit risk with that scenario um, and then if you're a single person we would recommend an S corporation. Uh, A little more expensive to operate. You need to take a salary based on the amount of profits, a percentage of profits. Uh, If it's a husband and wife type of thing, we a lot of times will recommend a two-member LLC that's treated as a partnership for tax purposes. Um, If the trader wants, you know, it's been consistent maybe and they want to start putting some money away, deferring some of that income into a 401k, then we would go the S-Corp route. Um, so there's, there's some factors that that weigh into that. And we try to figure out, you know, try to talk with our clients and determine what their needs are, what their goals are. Um, we don't recommend just jumping into a trading entity. There's costs involved with setting it up. There's costs involved with the annual tax return. So we want to make sure it's something that a trader, you know, they really see this as their future and they're, they've had some training They're you know, they've been maybe doing it for a year at least. And, uh, so, yeah, we, we try to look at the specific situation. So this
3: a good like someone might want to come to you and it'd be a good idea, even if they're not a full-time trader yet. You can do some things the right way for yourself, even if you're working a full- time job.
2: Yeah, it's it's uh it doesn't negate uh, trader tax status. If you have a full-time job, we have lots of clients that have full-time jobs, pilots, doctors uh, you know, own other businesses. Um, but it's more about the number of trades you place your average holding period, the number of days you trade. Uh, there's about 15 areas that the IRS looks at. And we try to talk through those with our clients and find out what stage they're at. You know, if they're not quite there yet, then we, you know, we caution them to, to wait until they're, they're more active. You know, you know, how much money is in their account is important. If they've had formal training, um, yeah, just all those types of things. And there isn't a lot you can do if you don't qualify. You're kind of stuck in that in, investor default class where you can't deduct any of your expenses. You're limited to $3,000 in capital losses above your capital gains each year. Um, if you have a sizable amount of losses, you have to carry those over indefinitely until you're, you know, so there's a lot of limitations in that investor class. Um, but the worst thing is to try to, you know, claim that you're an active trader and take trader tax status and get audited and have all that stuff disallowed. So we really consult, uh, especially in the beginning of somebody's trading career before they make that big leap into the trader tax status.
3: Hmm. Okay. But if you if you do let's say I come to you and you do determine that I can qualify for trader tax status, there's ample
2: benefits for me
3: tax-wise to go that route?
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's huge benefits. Uh, I mean take a home office, all your trading expenses can be deducted. You can make this mark to market election I mentioned before under section 475 and have any trading losses Treated as ordinary losses that can then be offset against other income, such as salary, other other business income. So, while nobody expects to lose money, you know, it's a it's very small percentage actually consistently make money. And so there's a, there's people that lose money, and so nothing worse than having a pile of losses over here that you can't take. You know, so this election is a huge kind of tax loss insurance we call it um, in hmm. case you do have a bad year and want to be able to take those losses against other income.
3: Let me ask you this. So I filed with my normal CPA this past year, but I've been trading you know, for a couple of years now, like every day. Yeah. Um, am I able to go back and refile
2: what I filed for last year? If you qualified for trader tax status, sounds like maybe you have, I don't know how many trades you make a year, but you could go back and amend and deduct trading expenses, including a home office. You can't go back and make the uh, mark-to-market election. election. Um, You can't go backwards with that. You have to make that election for the next year. It's already passed for individuals, but if you set up a new trading entity you could have mark to market for the rest of the year. Um, but you can't go back and do a retroactive mark to market election. Did you say that the
3: mark to mark mark to market election has to do with how wash sales are handled or is it more than that?
2: Um, it's well, that's a good point. I don't even think I mentioned that, but yeah, you're not subject to the wash sale adjustment rules, which is huge, you know, because active traders are in and out the same securities a lot throughout the year. And, um, so that's a big benefit. and the other big benefit is you those gains and losses are treated as ordinary gains and losses versus capital gains and losses. So hmm. um, it helps if you have if you have losses. But, but the big advantage, as you kind of pointed out, is the wash sale adjustments. Um, we've had new clients come in with seven figure wash sale adjustments that they had to report as income when in fact they really didn't have any income. so it's, there's been hmm. some real horror stories.
0: Irrational exuberance? When it comes to killer wine at drastically low prices, 30 to 70% off retail and free shipping, we live for that here at Last Bottle Wines. Whether you went long or short on GameStop, you'll need a glass of something terrifically tasty, and we've got the goods. Last Bottle is a daily wine site based in Napa, California. One wine every day at Black Swan Event prices, usually 30 to 70% off, until poof, it's gone. Whether you're a pound-the-table type, think ultra-crisp, quaffable Sauvignon Blanc, or a dividend aristocrat, Burgundy, or Napa Cab, there simply is no better place to buy wine on the web. And they always have free shipping. Last Bottle has a deal just for Penny Lane listeners. Use promo code PENNY10 to save 10% on your next order with Last Bottle. The code is good for one order and one order only.
1: And we're back. So if someone comes to you with with a wash sale situation, are you often able to fix it or what happens?
2: Well, that's a really good question. And we've had a number of new unsuspecting trader clients come to us. Um, The first thing we do is we try to do an audit of the form 1099 from the brokerage firm and make sure there's no mistakes, you know, um, this wash sale rule was passed. It may be up to maybe seven, eight, nine, ten years ago. So it's been around for a while. But the first few years, a lot of the brokerage firms were struggling with their software and getting, getting these adjustments done correctly on the year-end 1099 form. Um, we don't find as many errors uh, now, but um, we still find some errors. And so we've been able to correct those and report um, the correct amount on the on the client's tax returns. But in a lot of cases, there's not much we can do. Um, you know, ignorance is not, uh, does not help in this situation. You really need to know the basic tax, tax rules for t- trading and investing. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't take the time to learn some of the basics and when you uh, repurchase a security that you sold at a loss within 30 days, that loss is disallowed and carried forward into the basis of the next purchase. And if you keep selling, buying and selling the same security and there's losses involved, those are going to be suspended. Um, so, yeah, we've had a few horror stories. And there's not a lot we can do, but we do try to do an audit of of. Of those trades and and make sure they were handled correctly. And the good news is those losses get carried forward, you know, so you eventually get to use them. But um, you know, in some cases, we're talking millions of dollars. That some and somebody that blew out their account is probably never going to be able to use those losses. So, so
1: I oh, go ahead, Blaine. <laughs> um, I would say that like ta- I. Taxes are not something that I really understand. I'm a creative person. Um, I do have a CPA who, who handles all my taxes. But before I started trading, I didn't want anyone to know, like the only person who knew was my husband. And I called her and went through everything. And, I was, and actually what it was like a month into it. And I was, this is so stupid, but like at the time, I had my margin account and I was over PDT, and I was buying like seventeen thousand dollars worth of penny stocks and selling them like a minute later. And I called and was like, "Do I have to pay tax on the seventeen thousand dollars?" Like, I don't, I don't know where this money is going to come from. And she was like, "No, like you're okay, you're okay, but but um, this year." we have been sort of going back and forth as to whether I apply for the pro trader. And in my mind, I'm like, there's been two trading days in the past year that I haven't traded. It's like three or more a day. I think I certainly do, but it ha- it's, it's sort of a hard road to navigate.
2: Yeah, they don't make it easy. <laughs> and what uh, a lot of us tax practitioners have been waiting for is maybe some new legislation, some new tax rules, maybe a form for traders where you can put your gains and losses and expenses all in kind of one form. Um, But right now there's nothing like that. So we have to really navigate some murky waters.
1: (laughs) Talk to me about expenses. (laughs) Like, like like, (laughs) what can we, you know, I have an LLC for this podcast, and I bought some clothes the other day, put that under a podcast expense. Was, you wear them on the podcast. I'm wearing them on the podcast, so I love an expense like that. What <laughs> can I buy in, if I do a trading LLC? What can I put in there?
2: Well, of course, all your equipment, your computers, your screens, your you know desks, furniture, chair, um, any Real-time data, you know, some some brokerages a few offer free, but mostly you're paying for real-time data, the exchange fees. All the exchanges want their, their pound of flesh. Um, any Ooh, that's you know, good we- to know webinars, dues, subscriptions, books, uh, publications. Uh, some people travel to Las Vegas or somewhere for a for a trade show, you know. So a lot of that can be written off. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, I get a lot of questions about cars. It's really hard for a trader to write off their car. So that's one you usually say no. That's a, that'd be a, fr- a flag. But but
1: you could <laughs> write off like the New York Times. Oh yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. Anything that helps you, you know, get trading ideas. Of course, software, there's tons of, you know, trading tools out there on the internet. And um, some of my clients have lots of expenses. Some have like none. I mean, some clients that will have a laptop, and they get free real-time data from their broker and they have no, no expenses. And so those kind of people, it really doesn't make a lot of sense necessarily to form an entity unless they're very profitable and they want to pay themselves and defer into a 401k some of their profits. Um, but most people have, I would say, an average of five to ten grand in expenses every year for you know, for trade, you know, that are kind of an average trader. I have some really big traders have some uh, small hedge funds and, you know, they have lots of, lots of expenses, offices and things like that, rent. So
3: So I I feel like this is probably worth doing in this episode and Blaine, stop me if this has already been done, but can we do a little just quick demystification of wash sales? Just kind of like very quickly what it is. And like, if you do this, you might want to watch out.
2: Yeah, so there's a couple of things, you know, here's just an example. Let's say in February you bought uh, Microsoft for, it's kind of a high price stock, but let's say you bought it for $200 and you sold it for $180 a week later. So you lost $20. And then within 30 days you repurchased it at, let's say at $170. So it's continued to go down. But because you're, you had a wash sale and you were disallowed that twenty dollars, it gets added to your one hundred and seventy dollar cost basis. So now your cost basis is really one hundred ninety dollars. So you don't lose that wash sale; it gets rolled into your cost basis going forward. The key is that you stop trading that for thirty days, or you know you don't repurchase. You know if you sell it again, and let's say you sell it for one hundred ninety, so there's no gain or loss. You don't repurchase it for thirty days. You get to Take your prior loss basis. Everything is how it should be. Um, the trick is at year end in December, you've got to stop trading those any of those stocks where you've got wash sales and you've got deferred losses for 30 days. You know, I tell my clients, come December, stop trading. Uh, you know, into January, those same stocks. Trade something else for 30 days, and you won't have any wash sale issues. You know, so. That's the secret, really. It doesn't you can trade all year long, same stocks, have defer, you know, wash sales, but that last 30 days of the year, you know, when you get to December 30th, don't trade those same stocks until February 1st. So so
3: and when you say like you can't claim those losses, that's for tax purposes, you can't claim them as losses on your taxes if you do have a wash sale issue. Right. <clears throat> right. So the horror in- story. Say that, so, sorry, continue.
2: Yeah, I was just gonna say, one of the things that brokerage firms need to do and they don't is on your year-end 1099 statement, they should tell their clients, here's the amount of your deferred losses that carry into the next year. Um, they They don't show that. They show the wash sale adjustments, but what a lot of people don't know is those are being factored into the future cost basis throughout the year. So it's kind of an inflated number and there's a real deferral number that goes into the next year, and they don't share that with clients, and they leave it up to people like us, you know, to figure that out, and and so people can plan. Like, okay, I had a million dollars in wash sale adjustments, but only two hundred thousand of that is really deferred losses carried into next year. And I, you know, I would just hope at some point they provide that, but they they don't at this point in time, and so people are very confused about it, you know.
3: So you might've taken losses through the year, but you probably, you, and you would expect to not owe as much taxes because there were losses, but because of the wash sale rules, you could be responsible for paying taxes on them because you can't, that's, that's the horror story yeah. situation you can get into.
2: Yeah, I had a, a client in California, a husband and wife, and they had like uh, $3 million in wash sale adjustments. They had to pay tax on 2 million, The guy only made like a hundred thousand and they had to take out a home equity loan on their house. Oh my goodness. Terrible situation.
3: So the following year he can, I don't know about get reimbursed, but he can claim those losses the following year. He just had to float himself to get there.
2: Yeah. Except that he spent, you know, he blew out his account and his wife told him he had to stop trading. So he may may (sighs) never get to use those losses. Oh,
3: okay. So you really only realize the benefit of, those deferred losses if you make them back.
2: Yeah. If you have gains, future gains.
3: Ah, because then you're tax free on the gains. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. I'm tracking with you. <laughs> I'm tracking with you. Um, cause I'm also not a tax person. Like when I, I heard about like wash sale and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm in and out of trades all the time. Like I'm going to get wrecked on wash sales, but I tried to read about it. It didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me, yes. but that clears things yeah. up
2: they don't explain it very well, but you know, the secret is December, you know, by the end of the year, stop trading those same stocks for 30 days and then you're going to be good, you know, there's no okay. issues, so. Um,
3: what about options? How does this apply to options?
2: You know, options can have the same wash sale adjustments. A lot of times, most of our option traders, and by the way, those are my most successful trader clients, but the options people tend to hold those a little longer and, you know, they'll, they'll let some expire or they'll be doing a credit spread or debit spread. And they tend to um, have those longer than 30 days a lot of times. Um, but there is wash sale. You know, some people just roll their positions into the next position. And, it's the sim, you know, it's the wash sale definition is a same or similar security. So you have to be careful with options as well. But I don't see it as much, as much of a problem. Hmm. Okay. So
3: same or similar being like, if I trade Tesla options all the time, even if I go to a different expiry, that's the same or similar different strike, different expiry. Like you is know, it's, it-
2: that's, that's a kind of a gray area. Um, there, I've seen some IRS rulings where they've, they've looked at that and said it's the similar same other. I've seen where it's a diff- totally different security. It's a different contract. So, um, I, my, my personal view is we don't consider those the same, you know, if it's it's a different contract, it's got a different CUSIP number. Um, so it's not the same, but you've got to just got to be careful um, with those, but we hardly ever see wash sales with the options. I rarely see it. Like I said, most, most of my trader uh, clients are not, you know, buying and selling those within 30 days of the, the same contract. So
3: interesting so your most successful trader clients are options traders that are holding options for extended periods of time
2: yeah i would i would not extend it but i would say from 30 days to 60 days oh that's extended in my world (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. you got to be careful because the trader tax rules the average holding period needs to be less than 31 days so a lot of my option traders struggle a little bit with that but they mix in some stock trades to make sure that their average holding less than 31 days but
3: ah okay so that's a that's a nuance there so yeah um, otherwise
2: you're just an investor
3: right Hmm. okay right 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 right. very interesting
1: very interesting
3: all stuff i didn't know (laughs) and probably should (laughs) (laughs) this episode is brought to you by a new social investing platform called personify Personify is a gathering place for both stock and crypto investors to share trade ideas, portfolios, and investment analysis with a community. The app was inspired by modern investors who enjoy trading within a community and sharing ideas, but lacked a platform specifically designed for it. Traditional social media platforms like Twitter, Facebook, and Discord weren't designed specifically with this in mind, which makes it difficult for creators to share and learn. Personify is great because it's the only platform that specifically acts as a personal investing journal where subscribers can learn while also keeping track of their own thoughts and ideas. It's a culture devoted to learning and understanding the why behind trading strategies. It's the go-to social destination for both economic content creators as well as students of the market. Download the app and join the Personify community today.
1: We're back. So, Al, how much of your time is spent trading?
2: Well, it depends on the time of year. If it's what I call tax season, you know, February to April, not a whole lot. Um, the last couple of years because of the pandemic have been interesting because they've extended the filing deadline. I think in 2020, they extended to July 15th for individuals. Last year, I think they did it to May 15th. but. Every morning I'm, you know, I'm doing some trades. I trade a lot of futures, uh, mostly the equity indexes um, from probably seven in the morning, you know, till 8.30, 8.45, that's mountain time. So, um, but during the slower times of my year, probably a little bit more, but mostly just that couple hours in the morning prior to the open and then right after the open, so.
1: All right, my next question is my most important burning question. Who takes care of the plants in your office? <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, her name is uh, Veselina and she's she's vacationing in uh, Romania right now, but uh, she does a good job.
1: <laughs> okay, so are they is this a, a passion of yours? No. Okay. Well, they look beautiful. And that one by the, the um, window looks so happy right now. Yeah.
2: She does a good job and a lot of sunlight and.
1: <laughs> yeah. It looks like such a nice, a nice place to work. I love a plant. I'm like, I need to get one right back there. Yeah. It's really bringing a lot of life to the podcast.
2: <laughs> you know, I don't know if I can ask questions on this, but I don't know much about you guys. And can you tell me a little bit about your history and what your you know, what you do every day or week?
1: Sure. Bo, do you want to go first?
2: Uh, sure. Yeah, I, um, I
3: am a co-host. This is Blaine's podcast, but I've been co-hosting for several months now. Uh, you might to really hear my dog in here. Um, and I am a day trader. I still work a full-time job, but um, I play small caps. Um, I'm in and out every day. I don't hold things overnight. I'm not an investor, Um, the good thing for me in terms of wash sales is most of the time I'm playing a new basket of names every day. Um, so I think, I think some of my close friends in trading are your clients. And so I think my style of trading is probably familiar to you. Um, but that's my thing. Like I said, I still work a full-time job. I'm hoping that maybe that changes going into next year. Um, and I very much need someone to help me with my taxes. So (laughs) Cool.
1: Um, I'm Blaine. I am the host of this podcast. I started trading in 2020 along with the rest of America. Got um, very into it, so into it that I thought that I could host a podcast about it, which is interesting because I also work uh, as a marketing director and I'm a painter. So to take on a third sort of career, well, fourth, I mean, trading in this has been a lot. Um, but trading is the only thing in my life that I thought I could talk about for a hundred hours and not get tired of. And we're over a hundred now. So and I'm still not there's still like it's the tip of the iceberg of all the things I want to know about trading. And I started in penny stocks like Bo. Um I've not been a profitable trader thus far, meaning like I have not gotten back my initial investment. Um, but I have gotten a lot more consistent in the last four months or something and feel like I'm really like my losses are, are very, very small now. And the, you know, I've just been on, I've been on this journey and I just feel for the first time ever, like, I think, I could do this but man has it been hard to watch myself lose the money um but i am not a person who gives up i'm tenacious i think is maybe the word Mm. so here i am i'm still doing it and uh anyway the podcast trading has been great but the podcast has been really such a blessing in my life i'm a mom too i had to mute earlier because my daughter's outside with her ipad (laughs) <laughs> so
2: <laughs> well it's been a very challenging market especially this year but even last year was very challenging a lot of ups and downs and volatility so if you are improving through this market then that's 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 a good sign because it's even some of my most seasoned traders have struggled this year
1: yeah I keep telling myself that I, I didn't I went from small caps to options. So I only trade options now and I mostly day trade them. But um, I don't know. I feel like small caps was hard. Options is a little bit harder, I think, but somehow I find it more rewarding. And I do, I've only been trading the two years, but I do hear a lot how tough this market is. And I kind of think, my only goal right now is just to survive. Like if I can make a little bit of money, but but just survive this, then I think I would be well positioned um, in the future. At least that's what I hope is true.
3: (laughs) That's what I keep telling myself too. If we survive this market and cut our teeth, then maybe when we get into a better market, we can thrive.
2: What kind of following do you guys have? I mean, what's, what's your, how, does, how do you promote yourselves and how do you, um, you know, is this like taped and then put on your website or is this live or just curious on how that works?
1: It's not live. We have two amazing producers who produce every single show. We also have sponsors. It goes out on anywhere you get a podcast. So iTunes, Spotify, any, anywhere. We also have a YouTube channel And I, I don't brag really that often on the podcast about the podcast, but (laughs) since you ask, um, I do think that we have an incredibly loyal following and community of people. And a lot of, a lot of people listen to the show. A lot of people interact with us on Twitter. That's sort of our main, like where we communicate with our people is on Twitter. Well, Botox to all, all day long. I, I can't really do that, but I talk to everybody on Twitter and I think the ethos of the podcast is just being very honest about how difficult this is, which I think a lot of people find refreshing. So I'm just very, it is um, humbling. I am also someone who like can do things and usually can figure out ways to do them well. And it's been, it's incredibly humbling to come on here every week and be like, still down,
2: still don't
1: have it, you know, but I do think that being honest is, is the thing that makes the podcast work. I think
3: it's, it's funny. I'm, I'm sure you've heard of thin twit. It's just like the collective Twitter community of traders. And those of us who have been doing this a couple of years have, for the most part connected with each other, are aware of each other. And um, so yeah, I mean that's that's where we hang out. So it's it's kind of bled from I think it's kind of started it stock twits, but then you know, Twitter kind of came became the hub. And then now there's like Discords that are the main communities. And it kind of seems like over the past year, maybe like Twitter has tapered a little bit in its relevance in, in the active trading community. And now it's like, where are you in Discord? you know but um it's a it's a big huge community and that's that's where we live and we connect in all those places with these people
2: yeah that's just it's amazing to me because i i'm not involved really with any of that (laughs) so you know i've never i've done a lot of webinars you know for um some different groups that will have a bunch of traders and they'll have me speak you know about taxes um as part of a bigger you know day or two webinar series of education but um, I don't, I'm not active in any of those kind of groups that you mentioned, so that maybe I should be. <laughs> <laughs> There's
3: different ones, so they've all got their different flavors and kind of what they're about, um, so yeah, it's yeah. fun. We enjoy it. Yeah. Does that answer your questions uh, about yeah, so who we are? Okay. <laughs> uh, my next question for you is, what are a couple of things that you think, like, the average trader should know, but maybe doesn't, especially if they're not using like a tax specific CPA for their taxes.
2: Well, you know, I kind of maybe already said this, but really just there's a lot of expense, different expense categories that, you know, help every little bit helps reduce your taxes. So if you're not aware of, you know, the legal expenses you can take as a as a trader, as long as you're in the business of trading which is, is somewhat of a you know, ambiguous definition, but that's where having a somebody like myself and my firm, you know, kind of guiding you and having been through audits and things like that. Um, there's just, you know, those expenses really add up. And if you can save three, four, $5,000 a year on your taxes, you know, that's that's a big deal over over time. And you know, more than offsets the cost of having a professional. But um, I would say, you know, the expense expenses being make sure you're deducting all your expenses, understanding the wash sale rules, and and then the Section 475 mark-to-market election, if you're eligible to make that, and you're trading equities or options, uh, equity options, you, know, you definitely should make that election. Um, there's no downside to it unless you have a lot of capital loss carryovers from previous years that you need to use up first is with capital gains, but making that election is is really insurance in case you have a bad year and have losses that you can use those um, to offset other income. And during the COVID pandemic, they passed a tax bill that allowed you to take those losses back five years. You know, um, when Trump and the Republicans, when Trump first got in office, they passed a big tax bill and they did away with NOL, net operating loss carrybacks. They used to have been around for a while, you could go back three years. Well, during the pandemic, they brought it back to life and said, hey, if you've got a business loss, you can carry it back five years and get our instant refund. So we had a lot of clients that were eligible and we were able to carry them back and get them you know, some pretty big refunds. Uh, but my point is that they had Section 475 in place and they were able to treat those as ordinary losses, which qualified as net operating losses. Um, so that's a big deal. And uh, yeah, and then just if you're profitable, um, you know, being able to defer income and, and paying yourself a bonus, year end bonus, and putting up to 60, 65,000 away in a 401k every year. And if it's a spouse, husband's sp- uh, spousal situation where there's two of you, you know, you can put away 120 130,000 a year. And then there's really? also this thing called a that's- defined benefit plan. Where you could each put over a hundred thousand away a year if you're real profitable. So, you know, if you're successful, there's always, you know, there's, there's lots of ways to save and defer taxes. Wow. So you can contribute
3: that much to a 401k. Whereas like the employed person is what 19,005.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's, they've raised it to 20,005. And if you're over 50, you can do another 6,500. So it's 27,000 in 2022, but (laughs) the company can also contribute to the employees you know to the husband wife employee team of 25% of their w2 wages so the max it's like 62,000 um, dollars per year for each for each person so wow and even if you're contributing to your employer plan let's you because know, you, you said you work as well for you have another job and maybe you're already maximizing your 401k your trading business company can contribute that profit sharing twenty five percent profit sharing plan to for you, even though you're already maxed out on your employee deferral contributions over at your other job. So mm, okay, you know, that's a lot to throw at you guys. But um, the bottom line is there's just so much opportunity if you have a business and you're and you're making money. You know that's always the not always the easy part. <laughs> Sure. Um,
3: so do you think, do like normal CPAs know all this stuff or like, do you think that if you file with a normal CPA, they just might not, they just might not know all the, you know, ins and outs and nuances of like getting you the most legal money back from your taxes?
2: I think a general practitioner CPA probably doesn't, you know, um, every, the larger CPA firms have, you know, specialists in different areas, um, but I would say your average run-of-the-mill tax practitioner slash CPA probably doesn't know a lot of the, a lot of the trader tax rules. Hmm.
3: Okay. That's good to know.
1: <laughs> well, do you have any more burning questions, though?
3: I mean, I I just been rifling them off. I'm sure I could just go <laughs> on and on. I'm about to I'm about ready to just start talk, talking about my own taxes here, you know. <laughs>
1: sure, yeah. Let's get into it.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Al, is there anything else that you would like our listeners to know?
3: How do we reach you? What? Yeah, what's tell yeah, us?
1: Yeah, how us. do we reach you? And um, yeah, promote yourself.
2: Uh, yeah, well, my, my business is called Pro trader Tax, and our website is www.protradertax.com. Um, my email is al.davidson, D-A-B-I-D-S-O-N, at protradertax.com. Um, we have a test, a, a self-test on our website to determine if you qualify for trader tax status. Hmm. It has about 15 questions, maybe 20 questions on there. Uh, maybe something like that that will give you a score and tell you what areas you are falling short and where you know what, what areas we can help you with. Um, so that's a good way. We get a lot of people taking that test and, and, I, and I see the scores every day coming in and you know some people are qualify really well. Some people are down there in the bottom, but you know um, there's things you can do if, you're, if you don't quite meet all the tests you know, to, to get there over time. So um, yeah, so anyway, it's, a, it's been, it's, you know, I, I, like I said early on in the podcast that it's a passion of mine. I love working with traders. I understand what they're dealing with and uh, trying to help them, you know, reduce their taxes and plan for their future and, and save for retirement. And um, yeah, it's, re- it's been rewarding.
3: So let's say someone
2: doesn't necessarily
3: qualify for a pro trader tax. Do you turn them away? I
2: mean, are your clients all traders, pro traders status? No. I mean, I, I definitely try to advise them, but a lot of, in a lot of cases they say, well, we, we still want you to help us because we think we're eventually going to get there. Or I've had some clients say, I'm never going to get there, but you know, I just like, you know, our conversations. I feel confident. I feel, you know, somebody that I can rely on so we still get some of those and and I have other I, I have two other practices where we do all kinds of different clients you know hotels and doctors and car dealerships and things like that so um, I've got a pretty broad background over the 30 maybe 36 years I've been doing this so um, but this one's my favorite the traders yeah
1: well you've come off as incredibly trustworthy and uh, steady which I would let, you know, I don't want to tell my tax person something and like, oh, I lost X amount of money this year and have them be like, my God. <laughs> and I don't think you would do that. So. Um,
2: <laughs> no, to me, it's, it's, I don't, I don't even, it doesn't even phase me, you know, just, <laughs> I'm just focused on getting your tax return done, minimizing your taxes, helping you plan for the next couple of years. And, yeah, I mean, I've lost, believe me, I've lost money in my past and, you know, it's, it's not fun and it's, you know, it it still burns and you're still like embarrassed and, you know, you still feel sick about it, but, uh, we're all, you know, we're all trying to be more consistent and be profitable. And so I, I try to be encouraging to my clients if they, if they have had a bad year. Uh, one more question for you that just came to mind. Some of my traders
3: who are like more profitable, um, on a yearly basis have said that they're supposed to start filing quarterly. Is that a rule?
2: Yeah. If you, if you're making money and you know, the IRS wants you to pay them quarterly for your estimated taxes, you know, so that's a whole planning opportunity. If you, you know, let's say you had a good year last year and you owed 50,000 in taxes. Well, they want you to pay that amount in at least over four quarters of this year. So Um, yeah so if you don't you can be penalized and really so it's uh, yeah a lot of opportunity to plan and we do a lot of planning um, during the time we're preparing the tax returns and then a lot of our clients come back to us in October November and say here's where I'm at you know what do I need to do and how can we minimize is that a hard fast rule like like when does that like how do you know if you're supposed to do a quarterly return if you owed over a thousand dollars in taxes the prior year and you know, you, have, like you mentioned, you have another job, so you probably have withholdings and, you know, and depending on how profitable you were, but if, let's say you make uh, 50,000 a year in your salary and then your trading's 40,000 in profit, you know, your withholdings are going to cover probably your salary pretty well, but that other 40 grand in gains, you know, you don't have any taxes taken out there. So that's the amount you'd have to pay estimated taxes on the next year, unless you lose money. Let's say the first four months of the year you are down, you know, uh, this year, cause the market was so bad and you don't have any capital gains, then you wouldn't have to pay taxes. You know, it's only if you have income, but in order to penalty proof you, we have a lot of our clients pay taxes based on the prior year. And there's a rule the IRS will say you're penalty proofed if you pay in a enough to equal or exceed last year's taxes so we start out usually having clients pay the first quarter maybe second quarter but if by you know june july august or hey i'm not making any money this year then we'll have them stop paying those last two quarters and um, so it's just something we have to keep an eye on and we try to educate our clients to you know keep an eye on, understand what those rules are so very interesting okay Well, this has all
3: been extremely insightful for me. Um, This is all stuff I didn't know. And it's, if I was a listener listening to you, you've instilled confidence in me. So um, hopefully you get some um, traction from some listeners. I think you you. probably
1: got at at least two new clients. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You guys are very kind. Thank you.
1: Well, we sure appreciate you. Thank you so much.
2: Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Of course. All right. We'll talk to you soon.
2: Okay. Keep in touch. All
0: right. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the Penny Lane Podcast makes no warranty,
3: guarantee, or representation as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information featured in this podcast. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk. This podcast should not be considered professional or financial advice. Unless specifically stated otherwise, the Penny Lane podcast does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, service, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast. And information from this podcast should not be referenced in any way to imply such approval or endorsement. The third-party materials or content of any third-party site referenced in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the opinions, standards, or policies of the Penny Lane podcast. The Penny Lane podcast assumes no responsibility or liability for the accuracy or completeness of the content contained in third-party materials or on third-party sites referenced in this podcast or the compliance with applicable laws of such materials and or links referenced herein.